morning, everyone. Good morning. Great to see all of your smiling faces. Uh, welcome to Seven Oaks Church and hello to our online community as well. We're glad that you're joining us today. And uh, I'm Jamie, by the way, if you're uh, a first time visitor, I'm one of the pastors here and I'm going to unpack the scriptures for us in a few minutes. Um, before I do, if you were here last week, um, I was supposed to be preaching this, this sermon last Sunday, but uh, uh, Brian stepped in uh, for me in, in my place as I was a little unwell. And um, uh, just a couple of things. I feel like there's some misinformation out there that I just thought I'd kind of correct. Um, and the first one is that uh, Brian, bless his heart, um, said that, you know, this is the first time Jamie has ever you know, not preached on a Sunday morning when he was scheduled to preach because of illness. And I was sitting watching at home and I was like, Brian, that's the second time in three months, man. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and I don't do that just to throw that up in Brian's face, although I do take a perverse pleasure in that. <laughs> Um, but more just to say, I don't want anyone to think this is some kind of equivalent of, you know, government spin, where, you know, they're trying to just make me look good. Um, but no, it is indeed the second time in three months, the second time in 10 years, but second time in three months. It's been a little bit of a rough season for the Fox family. And, um, uh, and the second piece, too, is I, I, I didn't just have like a little cold, just so you know. Um, I had a, a, a sickness, and um, being, being British, I would normally say I was a little unwell, but that's... That's called classic British understatement. Uh, I was actually quite unwell, and um, what happened was on the Wednesday uh, of that week, I woke up and um, I was, uh, had a wicked fever, hadn't slept very well, and um, began to get a little bit dizzy and started to feel nauseous, and so I, I need to run to the bathroom, and um, uh, ended up not making it. I blacked out and bounced my head off the wall, and uh, ended up with um, quite the, uh, I ended up with three staples in my head, and... Um, if you've ever had a head injury or seen a head injury, uh, you'll know that there's a lot of blood, and so it looked like a crime scene in there. <laughs> and we were talking uh, at staff meeting, and I said, what I should have done is left the blood on the carpet and drawn like a chalk man. <laughs> and, and, and that would have been a great talking point uh, for guests, but, uh, but uh, we didn't. We, we, um, we cleaned up. We have a little issue here. Um, so anyway, uh, so that's what happened. So I ended up spending the night uh, in emergency. They gave me the presidential suite, <laughs> which also goes by the name of the hallway, <laughs> next to the uh, nurse's desk. And um, so I didn't have the best of sleeps, uh, but I got stories I could tell you. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's all good. I've been checked out. It, was, uh, it wasn't anything underlying. It was, it was probably the virus uh, why I, I fell and collapsed. But anyway, so I'm all good. I'm happy. Um, now, uh, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I would have waited until after the sermon to clap because head injury, I don't know how this is going to go. So you be the judge. But, uh, but anyway, thank you. Um, Baptism class next Sunday, if you are interested in talking about baptism, interested in getting baptized, interested in what our denomination teaches about baptism, uh, come and meet me at 9 a.m. just out the door there, just in the hallway. Uh, I'll be there till around 9.05. Would love to uh, hang out with you if you'd like to discuss baptism. We'll spend the time just before the service uh, talking about that. Uh, and Seven Oaks Got Talent, so that's coming up on Sunday night, the 18th of February, which is the family day weekend. And actually, what we're going to do is we're going to have a games night and the sort of talent night all in one because those games nights have been really, uh, uh, really interesting and, and fun for people over the last few years. So here's what's going to happen. 
we're going to open the doors, that is the glass doors out there, around about 5.30, and we're going to invite you all who want to come, uh, if you can bring some kind of snack with you to share, um, if you decide to, to make something yourself, if you could just bring an ingredients list just for you know, nuts and gluten and so on. Um, and we're going to have tables just back there, and we'll just lay them out. And then what we'll do is we'll head off into the different rooms of the, the building. And if you want to bring a board game, we'll hang out and play some games. There'll be activities in the gym. There'll be things happening upstairs in the youth wing. And then around about 7.15, we'll invite everybody to come back. We'll get some snacks. We'll sit down, and then we'll enjoy uh, the talent show which will probably run till around about 8.30. And, and after that, if you've not finished your games and want to stay, you can do that. If you need to go home, that's absolutely fine. So, so that's what we're doing, um, and that's coming up in a couple of weeks on Family Day weekend. All right, so we have been in 2 Corinthians, and we spent a couple of Sundays uh, looking at uh, this letter, the beginning of this letter. And um, the first thing I was kind of talking to you about was the city of Corinth. What is the city of Corinth? like? What was the culture like? What was the, what was the atmosphere like? What was the religious and cultural uh, things that were happening at the time? As a way to help us understand and gain some context for what Paul was dealing with, uh, which is also really helpful for First Corinthians as well. And then um, the week after that, we talked a fair bit about the relationship between Paul and the church. That actually, if you dig a little bit, you find out that there's more than two letters written. There are two letters in the scriptures that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by Paul. But he actually wrote some other letters as well. And he made multiple visits. And it's hard to kind of track, and you have to do a little bit of reconstruction. But we talked about that, and we're going to kind of touch on it again just a little bit today. And we talked about this idea of consolation as well, and paying it forward. As God works in our lives and helps us and gives us mercy and and, and, and it is tender towards us, so we need to pay that forward to one another. So that's sort of where we've been, and we're going to pick up at the very end of chapter 1 uh, this morning, verse uh, 23, and read through to uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. This is what it says. But I call on God as witness against me, says Paul. It was to spare you that I didn't come again to Corinth. So he's talking about some of the visits, or planned visits. I do not mean to imply that we lorded over your faith. Rather, we are workers with you for your joy because you stand firm in the faith. So I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I've pained? Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for me to come again. And I wrote as I did that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice, for I'm confident about all of you that my joy would be the joy of all of you, for I wrote to you out of much distress, distress rather, and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love I have for you. So he's talking about one of the letters he's written. And then he does this shift in verse 5, and he starts talking about an individual in the church. And he says this, But if anyone has caused pain, he's caused it not to me, but to some extent, not to exaggerate it, to all of you. This punishment by the majority is enough for such a person. So now, instead, you should forgive and console him so that he may not be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. 
So I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote for this reason to test you and to know whether you're obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. What I have forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. And we do this so that we may not be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs. God's word to us today. So we're going to unpack this a bit and try to understand exactly what's happening. Paul's again talking about his movements, right? He's talking about visits to Corinth back and forth. He's talking about letters that are written. And clearly there is misunderstanding about purpose and and reason that he was writing and reason he visited or didn't visit and so on. And when we read something like this, church family, it's a little bit similar to being in the room with someone who's on the phone and you can hear what they're saying, but you can't hear what the person on the other end of the phone is saying. So you only get half the story. And then you have to try to piece together what's going on on the other side. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. Like we've all had that experience, right? You're in the room and your spouse or your friend or your child or your parent is talking to somebody and you're kind of interested in what they're talking about. And, 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 and so maybe at the end of the, end of the uh, conversation, they say something like, oh, I said, have a great holiday. And then you say, well, you got the gist of what was going on. They're going on a holiday, but you don't know where they're going or when. You didn't even know they were going to until you heard them say that. Like, you all get that, right? We get part of the story, but not all of it. So we have to try to reconstruct. And scholars have spent millennia trying to reconstruct all of this. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about Paul making a painful visit to them, right? He went there, he visited Corinth after he planted the church, spent a year and a half with them, gone away, went back and had this painful visit, conflictual visit, full of issues and problems and so on. And what happens was then he decided to leave. He said, this is not going well. He left, he sailed back to Ephesus, and then he wrote a letter and sent the letter to them. So we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, just coming up on the screen for you is verses uh, 15 and 16 of, of chapter 1. It says this, Since I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a double favor. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on to Judea. So Paul had originally made uh, planned to make two visits, and he told them that. He planned to make two visits. So he was going to stop by on his way to Macedonia, and then he's going to return the same way and stop by again on his way back to Judea. And I think the best reconstruction of this is that he made that first visit on the way to Macedonia, and that was the painful visit. And it was difficult and it was conflictual. And then what he did was he sailed back to Ephesus and wrote the letter, but he didn't visit them again. He didn't make that second visit. Instead, he sent the letter that he wrote with anguish of heart and with many tears and it was difficult for him to write. So you might be sitting there saying, why is he going on about this again? Um, It's not essential that you remember all of these movements and these letters. It's not essential. There are actually things in this sermon I'd much rather you remember if you're going to remember anything. But I tell you this because we're trying to put together what was happening and we're having to piece together what they were saying that was bad about Paul, and we can only do it from, what, from Paul's side of the phone call. And so the way in which he's defending himself means, well, they must have been probably saying this then. So it plays into this idea that some were saying, that Paul, 
he vacillates, right? He says he's going to make two visits, but he only makes one. He's a coward. He wouldn't even come face us again. We can't trust him. He's wishy-washy. He makes this plan, and then he doesn't fulfill it. I think that's some of what was happening. And Paul says, no, 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 no. God is my witness. That is not the reason I didn't come back to you. That is not the reason I didn't return to you. It's not because I'm not a man of my word. It's not because I'm scared or afraid. It's not because I'm a coward. It's actually to spare you another painful visit because I don't want to cause pain anymore. That's what he's saying. That's why I didn't come back. I was actually exercising wisdom in my decision-making to spare you and actually to spare me. Because if I come to the people, who, who's going to comfort me except the people that I've pained? So it doesn't even make sense for me either. It doesn't make sense for the body of Christ for us to visit, to have a visit. So that's why I went back to Ephesus. And then I wrote you my letter in anguish of heart and tears and so on. Church family, you know in our lives that there are times to fight for a relationship. There are times to remain in the room. There are times to keep seeking a solution. There are times where we want to move forward. And I think you'd probably say to me, yeah, I, I agree, that's good, that sounds Christian, that sounds good. We should be seeking to forgive each other and receive and, and give mercy and attempt reconciliation and, and, and fight for the unity of the body and all of those things, or the restoration of your family, whatever it is, absolutely. However, there's also absolutely wisdom at times in backing off, isn't there? Sometimes we just need to take a step back. We have to take a break. Sometimes we need passage of time from the event or the issue, or we need enough, enough distance from the hurt in order for us to take time to cool down, to reflect, to honestly ask ourselves, what did I bring to the issue? Uh, to gain some perspective. We need a certain amount of water to go under the bridge at times in order then to be able to say, life is too short. Uh, maybe I would just rather be wronged in order to save this relationship because it's too important for me. That sometimes is exercising great, great wisdom. Knowing which to do when, when to stay in the room and when to back off. Well, that requires the wisdom of Solomon and discernment and so on. But there's absolutely time uh, to, uh, to cool down. And it's just an admission of our humanity. We have finite abilities. We have finite uh, in, you know, resources to cope with things. We have finite perspective, and, and we're human, and it's okay to sometimes take a break. Um, th this, uh, this academic year, I have returned after a number of years to coaching my son's football team, soccer team, and, and I did it when he was really small, and then he joined a different team, and there was a coach, and I kind of supported a little bit, but, but haven't actually uh, been coaching. Well, I stepped back in to help coach this year, and it's been so much fun. And, uh, and so, uh, so I've been doing a little bit of that along with the head coach. And um, I have to say to you, and uh, this is, I, I, I'm not talking about you, Owen, you're awesome. Um, but there has been a, a couple of red cards given out this year. And the red cards have not so much been given out for terrible fouls as much as emotional reactions to other players and to the ref, lipping off the ref at times. And so we've actually been given a couple of red cards. Now, if you're not familiar with the sport, it isn't like a sin bin, like in, in ice hockey, where, where you go and you, you know, take five minutes uh, or whatever it is, and then you get to come back on the ice. Actually, you get a red card, you're done. Like, you're finished. You're off, right? So that's, that's what a red card means. 
and so we've had a couple of those uh, red cards. And, um, you know, the refs will not tolerate being, being lipped off and stuff. And, and you know, these, these are young boys and they're competitive and they're sometimes playing their arch rivals and they want to win and they get riled up and all that. And by calling them young boys, I'm only describing their age. I'm not saying it's because they're young boys. Because let me tell you, there's plenty of adults out there who, play, who get in trouble for this kind of thing too. So it's not because they're young. It just, it's just a description of who they are. So we've had a couple of red cards. And one of the things that I say, I've said on a couple of occasions to our team is I said, guys, you have to learn to read your emotions. If you're out on the field and you know you're getting riled up and someone's nipping at your heels and fouling you and the ref's not seeing it and you're getting frustrated and so on, there's nothing wrong with, with asking to come off as a sub for five minutes, sit down on the bench, cool down, and go back on the field. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Do you think this group of 16-year-olds ever listened to that advice? <laughs> Not even the slightest. Maybe, maybe they'll remember it someday. Anyway, so, uh, so what I say, my point is that if you actually make that decision, you can cool down and then you can rejoin the game. If you don't make that decision and you stay on there and you get riled up and you end up committing a foul and the ref gives you a card and you get mad and you lip him off, you're done. You, there's no going back on the field for you. You're actually finished. And not only that, but it's an automatic one-game suspension. And depending on the offense, it could be up to three games. And we have one of our players out for three games. And there's 15 games in a season. He misses quite a bit. So you don't have to listen to my advice, but be warned, this is what may happen to you. And, and, and you know, if, um, and my point is, instead of using wisdom in backing off, if you remain in that emotionally filled intensity uh, of, uh, you know, what happens is you've done lasting damage, you've let your team down, they have to play the rest of the game with 10 men, and they may not have you then for three games. And so you've got to kind of figure that out. And they're young boys, and they, they maybe will figure it out one day. Like I said, plenty of adults don't. So in conflict, there is time to stay in the room. There's time to stay on the field, and there's time to go to the subs bench and cool down. And that, I think, is what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was saying, we need to spend a bit of time apart here. And for the sake of the relationship, the sake of the body of Christ, that is why I changed my travel plans. And what happened was... He then had some time to write a letter, and they had some time to receive it, to read it more dispassionately, and to properly reflect on what had happened, and it worked. Because if you remember, Titus meets up with Paul later on. Titus had delivered the letter. He meets up with Paul later on, and Paul says, how did it go? And Titus says, praise the Lord, most of the church repented. They actually, they actually were able to listen to your argument, and they were like, we've sinned, and they repented. Praise the Lord. Now, there was still a group of people that were opposed to him and so on, but largely it worked. Paul then turns to an individual in the church and gives some direction. He says, but if anyone has caused pain, he's caused it not to me, but to some extent, not to exaggerate it, to all of you. The punishment by the majority, is enough for such a person, so now instead you should forgive and console him so that he may not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow, so I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. There's clearly an, an individual issue now that Paul turns to in this, in this letter. He turns to a troublemaker in the church, one that hadn't repented. And the first thing he says is not only did 
this guy caused trouble to me, but he actually caused it to all of us. And you see, Paul did not, was not born and did not grow up in the individualistic West that we did, that all of us have. Rather, he grew up in the ancient Near East, where tribe and family and community and body is much more important and always trumps the individual. In the West, the individual always trumps everything else. Like, people get mad and they leave churches and they don't work things out because, because I'm offended, because my rights, like we're, we're very individualistic. They were not like that. And, and so, so he's probably being challenged by his, his apostleship and so on, but, but he's saying what's, what's happening is actually happening to all of us. Trouble is coming to all of our doors because we're all bound together as the people of God. He caused me massive headaches, but to some extent, all of us. Um, it seems then, as the letter that followed had that sort of desired effect, it caused people to turn to repentance. Most of the church repented, but what happened was, is that there seemed like there was this church discipline issue. So the rest of the church that repented said, okay, this guy over here is a real, tr- we need to actually exercise some church discipline with this individual. And and actually, it seems like it worked, because in verse 7, it said he had great sorrow. So it worked. But at this point, Paul calls on the church, in response to his repentance and his sorrow, now you've got to forgive him. Now you've got to console him. Now you've got to love him again, so that he is not overwhelmed by his sorrow. Because when we repent, there should be a certain amount of sorrow for our sin, but it's not aimed to overwhelm us. It's not to crush us. It's actually to draw us back into the loving arms of the Father. It's never to damage us. It's always to restore us. And Paul's saying, this man is in danger of being overwhelmed by sorrow. You need to now forgive him and bring him back into the fold and love him and forgive him and console him and so on, connected to that idea before of pay it forward in your consolation. Paul is calling them to unity in community. And the church of Jesus Christ should be the leader in culture at this. Out there, people who are struggling with how to deal with reconciliation and forgiveness and all that, they should be like, well, let's go talk to the church because the church is really good at this. That doesn't happen very often. And it's to our shame. We should be experts at this. Not because... Not because it's not hard, not because it's not huge issues sometimes, really difficult things, but because by definition, we are a forgiven people. The church of Jesus Christ is a forgiven people. That's part of your identity. And so to pay it forward, you also must forgive. And that's hard, depending on the level of offense. Two things I love about the Apostle Paul in this section. One of them is that it seems like Paul just freely forgives. Do you notice that? We know that Paul had a relational issue here. We know that Paul's had other relational issues. He had a sharp dispute with Barnabas over Mark. Um, And you you can read about that in the book of Acts. Paul had relational issues. But here, he says, anyone you forgive, I'll forgive them too. And really, they did their worst to Paul. But Paul says, if you forgive him, I'll forgive him. It's almost like this freedom he had to forgive. And I think it's just a mark of Paul's maturity 
and, and, and growth in Jesus, he just seems so pleased to forgive. I'm right there with you. The second thing I love about Paul is, unless maybe it's easy to miss this, when Paul didn't make that second visit to Corinth, he was exercising an incredible amount of spiritual maturity. Because I don't know about you, but I would have been like, they're saying terrible things about me. I'm going to roll into town and I'm going to make sure I straighten everyone out so everybody knows. I'm going to vindicate myself. And Paul basically said, you know, I'm prepared to allow people to think really badly of me and I'm not going to go and defend myself and I'm going to do it for the sake of the unity of the body. What a mature attitude. What a wonderful thing that Paul did. And the section then closes with a warning. And we do this so we will not be outwitted by Satan because we are not ignorant of his designs. Satan, the accuser, the enemy, the devil, loves to create discord in the church and in communities. And it's not that we always blame the devil. No, there's a lot of unredeemed parts about our humanity. There's lots of, you know, wanton pride in us and there's lots of issues that we have and we are fallen humans. But what happens is, is that our enemy will often exploit that and tempt that and demonically reinforce that. And we get out, and we get, we get outwitted by the enemy and we should have victory over him because if Jesus is in us and we're truly in him, then we're seated at the right-hand side of the Father with Jesus in the heavenly realms and Satan is under our feet. Not because of anything that we've done, not because we have any power in ourselves, but because of the Jesus who's in us. Hallelujah. And that's the kind of authority we have. Let's not be outwitted. Praise the Lord. Right? Absolutely. So we're going to go to the communion table in, in just a moment. But before we do... I think it's appropriate to give a, just a couple of minutes of silence. And, and here's why. Um, a couple of minutes is woefully inadequate. <laughs> it's all we can do on a Sunday morning. But it might be that this afternoon you want to take a half an hour or something and, uh, and get along with your journal and get along with Jesus and spend more time on this so you can really think and reflect. Two minutes isn't long. But I want to just give at least a couple of minutes space for you to allow the Spirit to speak to you and allow God to surface things. And maybe there's an issue of unforgiveness that you've got to deal with, and maybe there's a certain amount about witting that you've allowed to come into your own life, or maybe there's a certain amount of, of, of something that you have done and you've contributed to it and you need to put uh, a make right. So I just want to give a couple of minutes to allow the Spirit to just begin to prompt us and speak to us so that we can actually do something with this. Okay? You with me? All right, let's take a couple of minutes and I'll close it in prayer.
Father, we want to be a people who are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And um, I, I believe, Father, that you speak, and I believe that you have spoken this morning. And um, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters that if anything has surfaced in them, um, some things that might be very, very difficult. I want to pray, Lord, firstly, for the steadying hand of the Holy Spirit to rest upon each of us. And I want to pray that you would give us a holy boldness to lean into what it is you're calling us to do and you're, you're telling us to do. I'm so thankful that, Lord, I have the privilege of affirming to my brothers and sisters this morning that, that you are, are surfacing things in the room, not because you are condemning anyone in this room, but because you're wanting to free us. Because, Lord, we know there are two sides to forgiveness. The one is for the person who uh, has caused the offense, but the other side is for ourselves. So we can be free from the bondage of bitterness, or anger, or whatever it is that's holding us back. This is not a word of condemnation, it's a word of freedom. And so we receive it, but we need your help and strength to do it. Help us, O oh God, to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you didn't get a chance to get a communion, uh, communion elements, uh, there are some bowls at the back there. Uh, I think there's a bowl up in the balcony as well. So I'll just give you a moment to get one of those. And uh, underneath the uh, see-through um, cellophane there is a is a wafer, and then underneath the pink foil, uh, if you carefully pull that back, is the juice. And um, if you're new to church and you think, what on earth is this? Um, what this is, is, um, is representations of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've talked about forgiveness this morning. And um, we, as human beings, and our fallen nature, are not prone to, to just easily forgive. We're actually more prone to want revenge. Uh, but the cross of Christ, uh, the, 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 in the middle of history where Jesus was nailed to the cross, it changed everything, and it was for the forgiveness of the world. And that is the front and center of our consciousness as the people of God, the cross of Jesus. It's the cross of Jesus that beckons us to forgive, and it's the cross of Je Jesus enables us to be forgiven, Hallelujah. and it's the cross of Christ that changes everything. And so now as we reflect on the message today, we go to the communion table remembering the ultimate sacrifice of our Lord. And so let me read uh, to you from 1 Corinthians. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And for 2,000 years, the people of God have been doing this in remembrance of the body of Jesus broken for us. And we do it again this morning, remembering our Lord. So all you who know him, let's eat together.
the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So until he comes, we're going to proclaim the Lord's death again, the blood of Jesus given for you. Lord God, as we have um, ingested these elements this morning and they have uh, gone into our stomachs to become part of us, so we remember that you, you physically dwell within us in the person of the Spirit. Thank you that you can't get closer than in. And so you are not an aloof God, but you are a God who is in us and filling us and equipping us. And so we stand here in, in eternal thankfulness for the cross, Jesus. And we stand here knowing that we have the nourishment and the spirit and the strength then to step forward boldly into what it is you're asking us to do. So we love you and we honor you. And now we turn to worship you again through song. Amen. Amen.